surprisingly busy news day in the association, including Kyrie Irving re-aggravating his shoulder injury. And the Los Angeles Clippers get a little bit better because of the buyout market. Is this good for the NBA? And I am stoked about the Elam ending. We'll talk about it here on the Wednesday Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, the All-Star break rolls along, but we're still here. We're your Wednesday host. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics, host the Lockdown Celtics podcast. You can find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake and on Twitch for the Pelicans official Twitch show, twitch.com slash Pelicans NBA. So we're sitting here worried earlier in the day saying, see, what are we going to talk about? We're going to try to construct a show over some creative ideas. And then a bunch of things happened. So let's get to some of these news items for the day, including the Cleveland Cavaliers and John Beeline finalizing a contract settlement. According to ESPN, he is essentially done. He's probably not going to coach another game for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Goodbye in that era. See ya. Yeah, it seems like this is about as official as it can get without it being actually official. And, like, I, I don't know. They aren't good. They weren't expected to be good, so I don't know if I want to blame that on him. I don't know the inner workings of that, but all the news that's kind of come out about this, about him abandoning his creative offensive sets, not realizing that these guys are NBA players who have gone through some of the growing pains of, like, fundamentals and things like that, and still trying to teach that to him. Yeah, this just uh was not a good fit, and it's probably good for everyone all around. Yeah. Uh, you know, these college coaches are hit or miss. I know just speaking from the Celtics perspective, the Brad Stevens was a hit and Beeline was a miss, which it's, and it's sad because he's a good coach. He's, he's clearly a successful basketball coach and this just didn't work out. I don't know if he's going to try again in the NBA or if he's just going to go get one of these college jobs. I'm sure something will open up and he'll land on his feet, but Cleveland gets to move on. Um, and you know what? Good for everybody for realizing right away. And not dragging this thing out. And just let's start over. It didn't matter for the Cavaliers this year. Season was a, a wash anyway. Move on. Goodbye. Also uh, good for J.B. Bickerstaff here. Yeah, absolutely. Get yourself oh another opportunity. Like it's third another, time. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, maybe third time will be a charm for him. Okay, Kyrie Irving has uh, re-aggravated that right shoulder injury. He missed 26 games earlier this season. And now it's, a, it's another issue. It's kind of whatever. It's one of those weird, I don't even know exactly how to describe the injury, but he's going to see another specialist. They've done a cortisone shot. Uh, the the next thing would be, I think, surgery, uh, but it depends on what the specialists say. So this could be big because obviously the Brooklyn Nets are at the bottom of the standings, the bottom of the playoff standings. So this will impact their playoff chances. Yeah, like, at first I was like, oh my god, this is big news. And then, you know, they're seventh in the East. They're gonna get waxed by either Milwaukee or Toronto in the first round, depending on where they finish. And like, if they make it in now, is that really a big deal since this is kind of like you're in, then you're immediately out? And I don't think this is a huge thing. This is kind of like a redshirt season for the entirety of the Nets with Kevin Durant not out there. So like, you know what? If he has to miss significant time or the rest of the season, get right, get healthy for next year when they're actually supposed to be something. Yeah, I, I get all of that. And, and I don't disagree necessarily, but also 
wasting a season. That sounds like you're disagreeing a little bit here. But it's no, like all of the stuff that you said is correct, but also the, wasting a season, it, it, it does change the dynamics of the team. So like Joe Harris is going to be a free agent. Um, they've, they still have other guys that they've expected to get some stuff from that. I don't know. What are they going to get from them next season? What happens to, like, you get Spencer Dinwiddie a year out of playing for um, a player option that he's going to probably opt out of. So he wants to show out next year a little bit. Um, you've got other guys that are making money that are, are coming up on free agent years that they want to, they want to play a bit too. So I mean, anytime you waste a year, it changes the entire cap dynamics. It changes the chemistry. It changes a lot. Look, I mean, losing there is not a good thing. And some of the comments he said maybe kind of has, has got, gone the wrong way in the locker room and stuff. I don't know if it's a waste of a year. Like if he's legitimately hurt, like, yeah, shut it down. I don't think you're saying he's not. It's just kind of one of those things like, yeah, this just seems to make sense given where they are as of today. But obviously this season I wouldn't say has gone exactly like they were hoping this year. Right. So we'll see what they say. Um, but I, I do think that this season is – it could be a little bit more of a problem moving forward than uh, uh, just like, ah, whatever. It was going to be nothing anyways and – I know next year is when Durant comes back, but I, I do think that there's it, it could have a little bit more of an impact. But we'll see. We'll see what the specialist says. And the last bit of news, Chris Bosh releasing a statement saying that he's disappointed over the Hall of Fame. And it's in, in the statement, which was about five minutes or six minutes long, he said the words disappointed, disappointment, or disappointing uh, 15 different times. He is disappointed to not be a finalist for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know what? If I was a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame and he will be in the Hall of Fame, I'd be disappointed if it didn't happen right away. And, you know, when you had texted this to me and we were planning, I like completely missed the Hall of Fame thing over the weekend with everything else going on. And I just kind of assumed that he would be on the short list. And he's not, which kind of surprised me, given how good he's been. He's an 11-time All-Star. And then you like look at him in comparison to Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, the other headliners really on this, and all of the accolades that those guys have over their careers. It kind of, I you know, I wonder if this is voters were comparing Chris Bosh to those other guys instead of just kind of judging Chris Bosh on his own merits. And maybe that's why he got left off. You look at like Kevin Garnett, who has the fewest all NBA first teams of this group. And it's with four. Chris Bosh has one all NBA second team. Kobe Bryant has 11. Tim Duncan, as I pull it up now, has 10 all NBA first teams. That's not counting their second and third team. So like when you look at it in comparison to that, I think like, yeah, maybe it makes a little bit of sense to leave him off. And I don't think this is like appalling or, you know, uh, a miscarriage of justice in any capacity. But like he should be in. And if he was eligible now and he's going to get in, maybe you should have just put him in. I I think that um, this is actually a blessing in disguise for him, basically for all of the things that you just said. Um, this is going to be a a unique year for the Naismith Hall of Fame. Obviously you got KG, Tim Duncan, and then on top of Kobe Bryant, that you have the memorial for Kobe Bryant. So that's going to be a huge thing. Like 
they thought that this was such a big deal that they actually took a year off from some of the other committees like uh, the men's and women's veterans committees, the early African-American pioneer committee, the contributor committee, those categories that have put in, you know, there's usually like seven or eight people that go into the hall of fame in a given year. They actually told those committees like, you know what, this year you're not getting anybody. We'll come back to you next year. But because of the star power, because of the Kobe Memorial, like I feel bad for Tamika Catchings, who's going, who's a finalist as yeah. well. Like, if you threw Bosch into this, like Bosch would have gotten completely overshadowed. Like, I get that he wanted yeah, to be a finalist kind of his career, <laughs> right? Like, and so I understand his frustration completely, and it's it's not unwarranted. Uh, whenever your time is there to be a, a finalist, obviously when you're going to be a Hall of Famer. You want to be the finalist. But I think it's good for him because all of this stuff happens. All of the focus is going to be on three guys, and, and that's where it probably should be. And then next year, Bosch can go in and have be the headliner and, and maybe be a little bit more appropriately honored as, like, the headliner and get his due rather than be like, who was that? Oh, right. Bosch went in with those guys. Like, l- let him have his day. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Like, he's going to get in, and and this will be fine in the end, and I don't think it'll end up being that big of a deal. But, like, yeah, I get it. But then when you look at him and, you know, again, I just don't think this is, like, an outrageous thing. That's all I'm saying. I get yeah. it. It makes sense. And he'll get in, and everything will be fine. But it is I, – I do understand his disappointments. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, all right, that's the news of the day. When we come back, there's one more bit of news and a larger discussion on buyouts. Reggie Jackson is going to go to the Clippers. Is that right? Is that fair? We'll talk about it next on the Locked On NBA podcast. Reggie Jackson is going to be a former Piston. Uh, we kind of knew that was going to happen over the summer as uh, he enters free agency, but they weren't going to wait. They knew they weren't going to re-sign him. They're moving in a different direction, and so Reggie Jackson is getting bought out by the Detroit Pistons, and he already apparently plans to sign with the L.A. Clippers, which Jake has kind of sparked, I don't know, not controversy, but discussion at least in the Online circles where we travel, where people are like, you know, the buyout market, this buyout concept, maybe it's kind of run its course. Maybe it needs to be tweaked. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any feelings on this subject? Yeah, so I'm deba- debating if I want to come in really strong here. Do it, with strong. You. Um, I'm like really thinking about it. So you and I were talking on Twitter, and you're like, I think you you don't like this, is, is my, my feeling. And I think... It doesn't matter whatsoever. You're going to compare this to Andre Iguodala and that situation with the Memphis Grizzlies and be like, Memphis stuck to their guns and look what they got for him. This is not a comparable situation to me. So it it all changes once the trade deadline ends. If they could have moved Reggie Jackson, they would have. The problem is Reggie Jackson's making $18 million. So if you've got a match salary, they're for this rebuilding Pistons team thing, they're not going to take on $18 in some sort of combination of money that – 
bleeds over into next season for a second round pick, which is probably all Reggie Jackson is actually worth. So I don't think this is comparable to the Iguodala situation, which was, well, they need to buy him out right now. Wait until after the trade deadline, at least. And if you can't get anything for him, then, yeah, maybe buy him out and let's just sort this out later. But don't do it before that. I fully agree there because you should get something if these guys are actually worth it. I just don't think it's for Reggie Jackson. So I don't see this as a huge deal. This kind of is like a thing. Um, they don't want him there. They don't need him kind of doing some, you know, being a negative person in the locker room. And I'm not saying he was doing that, but that's kind of always the perception of just do a nice thing for a dude and make your organization look a little bit better. Um, and if you're annoyed that he's going to the Clippers, you're probably a Lakers fan that was really <laughs> hoping that he was going to land there because, oh boy, could they have used a guy like him? Also worth noting, Reggie Jackson's agent, also the agent for Paul George. Yeah, that's true. And I, I will say that this Reggie Jackson specific scenario doesn't support my argument <laughs> very well. My argument was just more in general about buyouts. And, and my argument is not the typical argument because I, I think what most people were arguing was that you buy a guy out and he immediately says, uh, I'm going to the Clippers before the buyout even happens. So there, there is some level of, uh, letting the guy have permission to go seek his own path. All right. So the Pistons and Reggie Jackson sit there and say, you know what? We couldn't work out a trade for you, which I totally get, um, for all the reasons that you said. Yeah. And say, all right, well, we couldn't work out a trade. So now we'll buy you out. And that makes sense. The the process where I think most people have the issue is, well, did what what was the the conversation? Did everybody know that Reggie Jackson was going to get bought out? Did everyone have an equal opportunity to get Reggie Jackson? Because Reggie Jackson, the starter in the Detroit Pistons, was not great, but Reggie Jackson on a minimum contract coming off the bench can be very helpful to a lot of teams. How did he go from hey? He's going to get bought out. And, oh, by the way, he's already going to sign with the Clippers. Did other teams have an opportunity? Yep. Like that? But it's, it's not like those other teams would have had a chance for him anyway if he was just always going to sign there. But you don't – I get your point. I get that. But it feels like a bit of almost like collusion. When the Pistons say, yeah, go ahead, you can talk to whomever you want. And then behind the scenes, before it's all out there, before anybody knows anything – then they say, oh yeah, I've already got a deal worked out with the Clippers. And, and so same thing with Marvin Williams getting bought out from the Charlotte Hornets and saying he's going to go to the Milwaukee Bucks. I was in the locker room, in the Celtics locker room, when Kemba Walker, who had been recruiting Marvin Williams for a month, found out through us, like, what, he's going to the Bucks? No. And then he walked off. He's like, I'm pissed. And it just, it happens all in the background. And I, that's the biggest thing. Now, my argument, just so I can get my actual argument out there, is I, <laughs> I, I actually also think that it depresses the market for these guys. And the Pistons are paying a price for giving him a, a contract that didn't work out. But when teams know, like, we're not going to trade you anything for this guy because you're just going to buy him out and we can have a competition for him. But if, if there's a difference, if something happens in the buyout market or a tweak in the buyout system, then maybe a team who says, all right, this didn't work out quite that we, like we thought, we can get Reggie Jackson out of here for a second round pick. Even if it's not going to be like 
a matching salary or what like they these teams in these situations like the Pistons who have to retool these uh, a guy in an expiring contract like Reggie Jackson could be a guy that brings you a pick or two or something you know a couple of second rounders something and yeah but but you have to take on others like it, yeah if they were no. like the Atlanta Hawks who had like cap room you could trade him there and get a second round pick for him but like Atlanta like the teams with cap room that wouldn't need to send things back for him really just have like no desire to be in this because they're all bad teams right now and so i still look at it like if they could have traded him for a second round pick they would have a, a team like the Clippers or Lakers, if they could have worked out a deal to make sure they got their man, like the Lakers, especially in this case, let's say, like they could have given up a future second for him and Detroit would have gladly taken that. But it, it, there was just no feasible deal. Like I just kind of look at this like if it could have happened, it would have. Yeah, I, 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 I agree under the current system. Um, and again, gotcha. okay. Again, Reggie Jackson's not exactly the poster boy for this argument because of the money that no, he makes. No, he's like, like most likely. I, I understand not. that. There, there are other players that can be helpful to other teams that might be willing to give up a, a second round pick. I'm just in generalities. I think that there's some element, and this isn't like the hugest deal in the world, but if you're a team and you've got a guy in something like this situation where you say, ah, I, I, I don't think that he fits our long-term plan anymore. And another team says, yeah, we think this guy can be useful. We're not going to give you anything at the trade deadline because we know if we don't, you're just going to have to buy him out and we have an opportunity to get him. Like, I, it's hard for me to shoehorn the Reggie Jackson into this particular point that I'm making. But, no, no, I, I get you, and you I'm being a little like, hard with like being like, but look at Reggie Jackson. No, right. I, don't know. I think it's like the guys who are getting bought out are usually veterans on most likely on final years of their deals that are making sure. 12 million plus. So like, I think it's tough to find trades for those guys in the first place. And that's why I kind of think you see this and like, look, you can stick to your guns and be like, no, I'm just not going to give you to them at all. And then if it creates issues in your locker room or what have you, or he he's like I don't know, poisoning the views here of your, of your roster, like maybe on the uh, Charlotte Hornets, like, it just behooves you to get rid of him. That's kind of, oh God, I sound old there. And it, <laughs> use that word, man. Behooves. Um, and, and youths in the same sentence, basically. So like, it, it's just, it's in your best interest to get rid of him. So even though you don't get anything back, you know, it's like addition by subtraction is maybe what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, like under the current system, I agree. And you, you kind of have to buy these guys out because you, you want to make good with their, their agents and, don't want to create any kind of animosity. I brought up the Memphis thing online because they were in a unique position with Iguodala who's like, yeah, I'm just not going to go there. And they're like, yeah, don't, no problem. But they could play, they could play hardball and they're not quite as worried about pissing off agents because they're not really a free agent destination. Memphis. No, not at all. Frankly, you're going to have to trade or draft for your stars. Like that's, that's it. So your kind of relationships with agents is important, yes, but not quite in the same sense of Detroit. I mean, Detroit's not a big destination either, but it's still a, a bit of a more glamorous franchise. You play for the Pistons, there's history there. Uh, so the, the, the two things that, I, and I don't know exactly how to fix them, is what I'm saying that I, 
I don't like that teams miss out on opportunities to get something to improve themselves in this situation. You're buying a team, you're buying a guy out because you're generally a bad team. And I'd like to see these teams be able to use these guys as some sort of method of getting a second round pick or something of value. Uh, however, that system works. And then the other thing that most people are complaining about is the system of guy gets bought out and before that that transaction either happens anyway that he's already got a destination and then there are other teams that are like well we we could use this guy and fans are thinking like well why why did the clippers get to add more depth to they're already good what about like i don't know the pacers did, did the pacers <laughs> get a shot did did you know? Did Portland give it? Like, even if they had a shot, he's not going there because those aren't title contending teams. Like that's that's kind of the thing. I think when you look at it, like the buyout market's limited to what the top four teams in the league, maybe. You know, maybe an outside team like and Dallas, and that's like, the, the where people say it's not. For, why? Why is there a system in place so, where the top four teams get to bolster themselves? So that's a fair thing, and that's probably like we've got to overhaul it. We like to fix the NBA here, and we've probably gone long on this segment as is, just uh screaming about this a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't see a huge deal with it. Like these teams sign guys to bad deals, and this is kind of like the punishment for it. And then those teams are good. That's how this works. You know, that's why guys sign veteran minimum deals to go there, like David West and some of the other names that we've seen. Like I think then it's like a bigger picture issue of like how much do you limit these good teams? teams from improving themselves you're right we are going long so i'm not yeah, gonna, that was, i'm not gonna we keep just opened a can of worms yeah. there <laughs> yeah the reality is this isn't the biggest deal in the world but because there's nothing else it feels like it's huge 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 deal i'm angry angry online all right let's uh let's come back and talk about the elam ending from the all-star game and why i think it should be implemented implemented immediately right now next on the lockdown celtic uh lockdown nba podcast Okay, when I said right now, I didn't mean now, now. But I do think that Elam and But for like Thursday. Right, like for the playoffs. No. Um, I I do think that, first of all, the ending of the All-Star game I thought was great. I've seen the Elam ending in other tournaments. Uh, I think it, I think it really, uh, is, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I just, I think it, it fixes a lot of things that are kind of wrong with the ends of games. So my take is the WNBA should implement this thing immediately for their upcoming season, which starts in a, a, a few months. And we should take advantage. They should take advantage of this opportunity where people are talking about it to add this exciting element. And then we can get a full season of game winning shots these this unique ending to games and eventually I would like to see this in the NBA in some form. So yeah, I think this it obviously everyone loved the ending of the All-Star game and it was a big hit and they need to find a way to kind of implement this more. I, I'm gonna save it for them on Friday. I saw Adam Mata's uh mention this on Twitter saying this should be the overtime format. If it goes to overtime, Elam ending, do first to ten, first to fifteen, whatever it is which, like, I've got no argument against that whatsoever. Um, 
you know, and I wouldn't be shocked if you see this in the G League. And if they're looking to kind of uh, make games quicker, and I know that kind of ran long in the fourth quarter of the All-Star game, but this also could be a way to speed up games. I, it could be. Look, I, I don't think they should have to wait till overtime. Um, there, there are a few benefits to this that I, I really think are, are great. One is that it avoids overtime. That you can you can get the first to a number. Now it doesn't have to be a full quarter. The NBA did a full quarter in the All Star game to honor Kobe Bryant with that twenty four. You can do it for a full quarter and say twenty five points after the fourth quarter and and just go with that. Or um, you can do it like they do in the basketball tournament where you get to a certain point in the game and then you turn the clock off and do a, a certain point from there. Like you can get to the TV timeout at two, whatever that two minute mark and say from there, it's 10 points from the, the leading team score. And then that's it. There are variations that you can do. It avoids overtime. Uh, which we're trying to load manage and cut down time on games. There are not a ton of overtime games anyway, but this, this can kind of help ease some of that. It avoids the fouling down the stretch in the free throw contest. I know one of the, the, the problems that people say, oh, oh, but it ended on a free throw. You're more likely to have games determined by free throws with the clock down the stretch of a close game than you would under this ending. Because yeah, I agree not, with that. You know, you're not going to foul to give teams points. It cleans up that end of game, like craziness. Like, oh, we're, like, teams would actually start playing defense. And if you do it earlier in the game, you avoid some of the cruising that teams might do late in the games when they're up. I think it encourages teams to just kind of keep their foot on the gas instead of taking their foot off and be like, ah, whatever, we're up 25, it doesn't matter. We're just going to get to the end of this game. Like, you have to hit a mark, and if you're not careful that you're you're going to – you put yourself at real risk. Like, if that time isn't there to kind of bail you out, then you put yeah. yourself at risk of like, oh, well, we're all, we're supposed to get to whatever the point, 130, and we're, we're sitting there at 115, and they've got 90, and we're cool. But then all of a sudden they get hot, and you're like, oh, crap. Like so I think a lot of the things that plague the end of games can be fixed with this. No, uh, so I, I got no arguments against everything you said. Like I win. Not, it, it worked out. Well, you win this one. I killed you in the last segment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no. Like we saw it it worked. Like it it was that was like a proof of concept. It's been a bit of a proof of concept in the basketball tournament too. So like we know this has some legs. There's a, probably a very good chance we'll see this in the G League next year in some sort of capacity. Uh, and certainly they're going to bring it back in the All-Star game next year. It kind of just does, like you said, a lot of what you want to see out there. I think it will eliminate a lot of the foul things. Um, the addition to it, which I think could be cool, is you get a new stat like game winners made. Yeah. Like yeah. imagine like, – like guys will duel for that, which could be kind of ridiculous towards the end of games. Like guys are going to be – you have a game winner in every game, which I think is very kind of cool. And it's like a new stat then that you can track and see, you know, if you want a different clutch argument, there you go. Who has the most game winners made this year with the way these endings are? Yeah, I, I mean – giving I, us new stuff to debate on here. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I saw some – People complaining like, oh, well, it's going to take how special some of these game winners are. It's going to take that away, which I, I disagree. Like, if it's still a game winner, like it, whether it's against the clock 
or against the scoreboard, if you're coming down and you're rising, if you need three points to get to uh, uh, the target score, and all of a sudden the ball goes over to Curry from three, and you're like, oh, yeah. like, you're, you'd be really excited up. about it. And if it becomes next basket wins, the madness, the madness of it all is just huge because now you're not racing the clock. You can actually, you don't have to sit there and worry about like, okay, we've got eight seconds. What do we do? Like you got time to sit there and devise a play. You can call a timeout if you've got one and call a play and you have to defend that play. And I just, I like the strategy of all that. There's always going to be a downside. Like going not, for two for the win, isn't it? Yeah, now that I'm like, like thinking about that, like in there, Oh cool. We got full 24 to draw up a play for the win here. Like right. how many of those are you going to have in your bag that you save because you've got to use them as the season goes on? It, it's not perfect, but I think it can be better. And if we, it, if we eliminate a better ending, a better solution for these games, then because it's not perfect, then you're really running the risk of kind of taking, taking away a good idea. So this is why I I think the the WNBA should absolutely do this. Like now's the time we're talking about this. The, that professor Elam just did the Zach Lowe podcast. He's doing interviews. He's on a tour right now. This is the hot topic. The WNBA is in a position right now where they just got this new CBA. The attention has been rising. Put that into your game somehow and get people watching because that's going to be the testing ground. Everybody's going to go see like, Oh, they, the WNBA is doing this. All right, let's see. And we we're, all of a sudden, all basketball fans are going to start watching the WNBA to see how this works and, you know, all of a sudden, they're going to open up the game to an entirely new audience. Those ratings, the first initial burst of ratings is going to be amazing as people kind of tune in and be like, I, I want to see how this works in action for multiple games, not just this all-star game. You know what? We did it again, NBA. We have helped fix you. You can put the checks in the mail. Boom. Done. Fixing it. That's what we do. Uh, and I think it's a good time to end it because I, I'm going out on a high note. You didn't. You didn't kill me. Yeah, in the you second don't want segment. them to not send the check. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. You didn't kill me in the second segment. By the way, at best you, you got me on points, but I, I don't think that was a knockout. Uh, look, it wins a win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, every Wednesday it's us. Well, not every Wednesday because sometimes I'm on the road and whatever. But most Wednesdays it's us. I'm John Corrales. I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake. David Locks back tomorrow with Ben Golliver and the rest of the week on the Locked On NBA podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, give us that good rating, give us that good written review, and share it. Tell everybody to listen to the Locked On NBA podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.